it's Fleur East here. Welcome back to my podcast, The Reality of Reality TV. Now, I started this podcast on a quest and a mission to set the record straight and bust the myths surrounding reality TV. Now, in this episode, I caught up online with Janet Devlin, X Factor finalist from 2011. Hi, I'm Janet Devlin, and I'm chatting to Fleur East about my reality of reality TV. I really, really wanted to catch up with her because she did the X Factor when she was 16. And I knew for a fact that her experience would be wildly different to mine. And just to note, before we get into it, this episode contains references to addiction, eating disorders, self-harm and mental health issues. It gets very real. Check this out. I'm very excited today to be joined by this amazing, gifted, talented specimen singer-songwriter and former UK X Factor contestant, it's Janet Devlin. Hello. Hey, girl. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me on my brand new podcast, The Reality of Reality TV. I mean, that's amazing. I've all, I've honestly wanted this podcast to exist for so long. Right. Like that, that concept of like, I want to know what went on in your reality, reality TV. Exactly. And you know what? I was compiling my guests together and thinking, who could I speak to? And I was going through YouTube and I followed you like briefly since you've left X Factor. And I was like, mm, let me just check up on Janet. What's she up to? And then I came across one of your videos and you were just being so honest and so real about your experience. And I was like, oh, I need to talk to her. <laughs> I need to talk to her. Like, well, it's just because it. I'm a chronic oversharer. <laughs> There's so much about the world of reality TV that people do not know about, and so much that you know needs to be exposed and people need to be aware of. Yeah, I think it's it's always comes down to it. like when people talk about reality TV and they're like, "Oh my god, how was this?" or "I can't believe that happened." I'm like, "I'm so sorry to be the burster of your bubble, but it's TV." <laughs> um what did you expect it has to be entertaining sorry yeah sorry not sorry today is the day that we burst the bubble Janet firstly before we kind of dig deep into your experience I want to know what was your favorite thing about your experience on reality tv I think for me because I went on reality tv because I was tired of hearing people say I was a good singer because I was like I'm terrible will you all just shut up Whenever the whole X Factor thing started, I was like, oh, well, this is great. I can go get Simon Cowell to tell me that I suck and then I can tell my family to shut up. It was the best thing ever because it gave me confidence. It was like this this proof of like, no, 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 no. You can do this. You got this. You can actually sing. So. Yeah, that kind of backfired. You tried to prove them like wrong. And, uh... <laughs> I know. Thank thankfully, they changed my life. So it's all good. No bad blood here. Well, exactly. What was it, though, besides that, that attracted you to a show like The X Factor? Because a lot of the time people say to me, being a singer, oh, you can be successful outside of a reality TV show. Or if, if all you love is music or all you love to do is sing, why go onto such a big platform? So what was it that attracted you to it? I'll be quite honest here. Like, I had a YouTube channel and it was doing really well, actually. Uh, my mum just called me in one day. She's like, X Factor, accepting video auditions. Do you think you should send one in? And I was like, I don't think so, mom. I don't think that's a good idea or whatever. And she's like, well, a source thing I can say is no, Janet. And I was like, fair enough, mum. Let's do it. <laughs> so I picked the video that had the most views and sent it in. And then my life changed. 
And I just, every time I was like, well, this is the minute it ends. This is the minute it ends. This is the minute it ends every single stage. And then I just woke up one day and was like, mm. oh, I'm on national television. <laughs> uh, the frick. <laughs> so you could say I was naive. <laughs> Yeah, in some ways. I mean, you were really young as well. You were 16 when you did the show. Yeah, baby. Like, I, I kind of had years to to consider it, think about it, you know, in some ways try and plot and scheme my trajectory through the show. But you kind of went into it blind. I was just a baby deer in the headlights. Like, you know, if it was a novel, my character was not fully developed yet. Didn't know who I was. Was just really shy, so insecure. Like, I had a lot of mental health issues and stuff before TV. And <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I definitely don't regret it. I do not regret for a minute doing TV or anything like that. But it's just weird to think that, you know, when people think of me, they think of a very shy, insecure teenage girl. I feel like my biggest fight at the minute is going, huh, no, I'm a 25 year old woman who actually has, after thousands of pounds spent on therapy, believes in herself. <laughs> Shocker. Wow. <laughs> I seen the best meme the other day. It was like, they played my audition. They're like, oh, I wonder where she is now. She is so cute. And then it's like, hi, I'm Janet and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, oh, God. Whoa, yeah, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, man. Which uh, like, nicely onto your realities. Let's, let's get stuck oh. in. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> yeah. So one of your realities is it's all in the edit. For me, I got lucky. My edit was like Adele music and look at this little flyer fairy in her bedroom, all shy and aw. But for me, my reality was so far different. I was, by the age of 12, I was a self-harmer. Um, and by the age of 14, I was, uh, 14, 15, I was a full-blown anorexic. Wow. And I suffered with mental health my whole life. That's where the the edit is so different from my life because the shyness really derived from because I don't I don't think I was ever really a very shy kid but then I think that's what anorexia took away from me was this ability to talk because I'd literally sit at the dinner table and not speak to anybody I just didn't have the energy and I would just I would almost just like have these conversations with people in my head and not actually talk to anybody there so when people seen this shy 16-year-old girl, it was actually just wow. somebody who was trying their best to recover from an eating disorder, which definitely strips you of a lot of you as a person. And, you know, I always see like waking as like you getting yourself back. So like it was tough. Like X Factor was hard for me in totally different ways than what other people thought was hard about it. Like... I remember struggling, like forcing, like sitting at that canteen in the mornings for breakfast and like really trying hard to make myself eat breakfast. So I, I had this whole struggle going on that nobody knew about. I've also got credit to give to the show though, because that was when I learned my biggest life lesson that mm. when I have a goal that's not deleterious <laughs> I'm actually very good at working towards things and I, and I didn't act out really I don't think on my eating disorder at the time and I and I was able to be like no this is what I want I want to be a singer and I work I want to work really hard so when I had something I was passionate about mm. 
I, I was able to kind of focus my vision in on it. Like it allowed me to really f- channel all of this, like clearly like imagination and time that I had into something that was uh, worthwhile. Do you think that the personal struggles that you were going through would have been evident to us? That, for example, if they'd kept the cameras rolling and there was no edit, do you think we'd be able to see that? No, I'm very good at hiding things. And also before I went on the show, like I worked really hard to get my my body to just look like a healthy, regular, normal body. Because in my head as well, I didn't want to be a role model for self-destruction because everybody was already telling me, you're going to be such a role model for young girls. Mm. It's almost like the pressure of, of the opportunity helped you in a way. It helped you focus. Very bizarrely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because a lot of people would have said it could have been the complete opposite for you. Everyone thought it was, yeah, the other way around. They were like, oh, this is clearly ruining her mental health and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, that's actually doing me more favours than it is anything. But the edit is, as you say, a very powerful thing because I, although you were good at hiding things, the narrative that we saw, the narrative that was presented to us was very different from your reality. Well, I always just laugh at the fact that they were going to go with a completely different narrative. Because at the time I lived with my grandmother and she just had a double bypass surgery. And obviously they were like, yes, we love a grandmother story. And as soon as I realized that they were going to be filming my granny, I was like, she will never say yes to that. That's not a thing that's going to happen. That's why I ended up being the shy girl who lived beside sheep. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I see that. So basically it was kind of like what you were willing to show that altered the story. Exactly. I would have been known for the girl who cared for her nan. It's so weird to think of what like could have been and things. But I loved how the show progressed as well and they tried to like show different elements of my character because I was always known behind the scenes as like, like I I knew what I wanted in the sense of like, even just styling, it's not a, It's not that I knew what I wanted. I just knew what I did not want. So like there was times where I was put in these like provocative outfits and I'd have to be like, guys, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm 16. Um, so could we please take these stockings off my legs? Thank you very much. Or just putting me in weird clothes and I'd be like, yeah, but why though? <laughs> and also with like song choices, I was always quite good at being like what is that so we ended up playing this game of you give me this I give you that uh I was bartering (laughs) with the producers constantly so then there was one week where they decided to show the narrative of me having to like stand up to my for myself to these journalists so they put me in a room with these journalists for like an hour where they just sat and they slated me so hard and obviously by the time that the the clips that they used were so near the end of the thing you could tell that I was like a bit like my back was up because I was my character was being questioned constantly and I was like god almighty I definitely think that they wanted to show people that I have more of a backbone than what was coming across in their previous VTs because everything was like she's so shy she's so petrified let's show them that she's got more substance to her so I don't even think it was malicious. I just think they wanted to like broaden my character, right? Because yeah. it would get very boring after a while. Yeah. <laughs> Look how sad she is. Oh. Your journey is very much in the hands of, of the edit, as you're saying. Like, But what, what I found quite, quite fascinating from what you said is that 
you stood up for yourself and you're quite strong-willed. And typically when people look at reality TV talent or in particular kids that go into it quite young, the perception is that you're molded by the show. It seems that you knew who you were from really early on. I just knew who I didn't want to be. I think that's a bigger thing. Definitely having to say no a lot. And I always laugh, like anytime like they picked a song, it would always be the week that I got slated incredibly hard. And it's like, mm-hmm. my guys, what are you doing to me? <laughs> it's hard enough to be a teenager. You got all these hormones and you're trying to figure out who you are as a person. And then you've got the nation being like, they have their own perception of you. Then you've got a whole crew and they've got their own perception of you. And then there's this whole like, how are we going to make her look? And it's like, mm. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean when I say like, I know what I didn't want. I think that's all I really had at the time. Yeah, but that's why I love to delve into it and and shine a light on the reality behind the reality (laughs) that is presented because this literally touches on it. And there's there's so many highs, there's so many lows, but there's as well as like the dark side of it. I guess there's there's light as well that people don't see. So there's a there's a lot of good as well that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. Do you think there's there's elements to your experience that we that we didn't see, that we weren't privy to. Yeah, so like little things like like who you'd be hanging out with. Like if you're in somebody's bedroom at night and you're watching like stand-up comedy, you're having a laugh and it's like somebody's got to be candle on and it's very chill. And Or you're just, we used to play a game where we would, <laughs> there was a joke at the time where everybody is a carbon copy of somebody else who's already been on the show. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like it's like copy paste, but let's let's rewire some of the metadata and then we'll put that version out. <laughs> so we used to play this game of like who we were in the previous years right. and like try and impersonate them. So we would have like a karaoke night of us as the other people. <laughs> so who were you? Who were you in previous years? The Tayana Vickers. Ah, I see. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely real. Yeah. And it was so fun because at least we were aware of that kind of running joke and it was it was so much fun. So things like that obviously would never get aired because <laughs> <laughs> we are kind of taking the piss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my one I'd be compared to was like, oh, the, the Alexandra Burke of my year because I was like the singer, dancer, performer uh. of my year. So I definitely get that. And there were a lot of comparisons <laughs> and you can definitely trace those back over the years. You, you told us that, you know, you get those time hop reminders every so often on social media of memories. And it's like sometimes you look upon them with fondness and you're like, oh, what a great time. But are there ever those memories that pop up of your experience and you kind of, are you ever filled with dread? Are you ever kind of taken back to a place that you're like, oh. <laughs> there is definite clips out there that I mm, never, ever, ever want to watch again like, my Mbop fail on national TV, great. Live for it. <laughs> Definitely top 10 quality mess ups on TV ever. And I honestly am trying my best to repress that memory. I might ever hear Mbop, a part of my soul dice. Oh no. <laughs> and uh, basically I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever properly spoken about it because what actually happened because I know people were like oh you forgot your lyrics and I was like yeah I forgot my lyrics cool story uh what actually had happened was that a week running up 
or maybe a few weeks, I, I hadn't been eating the same amount of food because I was just too stressed. There was too much going on. Like it wasn't really related so much to the eating disorder because I wasn't like purposefully starving myself. It was just like there was no time. And at the time I was a vegetarian. So like getting good veggie options was really hard. So I remember <laughs> like not having eaten properly for a whole ages. And then I had like these Japanese noodles that they used to make at the studio and eating the whole tub. And I ha- hadn't been able to eat the whole tub ever. And I absolutely shouldn't have. Cause then I went into like this complete state of like, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. Cause I, we were on Amber as to whether or not I was even going to go perform because wow. I kept wanting to barf. But anyways, I still went out and did it. And uh, <laughs> we were about to go into the second verse. And do you know the bile that comes up in your throat? Oh, no, no. And I, at that moment, I had to make a choice as to whether or not I swallow that and just compose myself for a second because I don't want to be the girl who threw up on national television and then mess up the rest of the song. Whoa. Or do I be the girl who throws up on national television? Whoa. <laughs> what happened? I just ended up missing the first two lines as I was trying to go. And then you can see the fear of God hit me. And then I'm like, okay, so we didn't barf, but now where are we? And then I finally jumped back in. My goodness. Yeah. Even my biggest fans are like, so umbop. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was hell. Oh my goodness. Jonas. What happened? Did, did you forget the words or something? I've been backstage about to throw up all night, so I what? thought I was going to throw up. Yeah, you kind of messed up, you know, but yeah. at, at least you carried on. That was the right thing to do. Because with Janet, with you, it's all about your voice. We're looking for somebody with an original recording voice. You are that person. It wasn't a great performance. It wasn't a great song. But I believe in you, Janet. Thank you. Was that partly from a list of suggested songs, though? I never picked that. That was, um, remember what I said about the bartering? <laughs> ah, I see. That was their choice. So I had chose, why do you fill me up? Buttercup, baby, let me down. I was like, this could be fun. Y'all want me to be cute. Let's do that. They were like, no, I'm up. I was like, cool. Can I sing the Chili Peppers though? And they're like, yes. Because the whole time I was on X Factor, I was like, let me sing the Chili Peppers. Yeah. They finally gave it to me if I sang Mbop. And you know it's bad when you're in the corridor with Louis Walsh and he goes, what are you singing next week? And I was like, Mbop. And he's like, huh? Oh, wow. That's a terrible idea. And I'm like, Louis, no. Louis Walsh is the most honest person. I think I've, one of the most honest people I've ever met in reality TV. He's just straight out with it. I love him. And like when I got kicked out, like loads of Irish ones turned against Louis because he voted against me in the bottom table. Oh, yes. Yeah. So everyone was like, screw you, Louis. They didn't see me in his dressing room that night, chilling out, eating cupcakes, chewing the fat. He's actually signed. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. Do you keep in touch with your mentor? Do you talk? Do you have a relationship? No. It's really hard to explain. During X Factor, like I was petrified. I constantly had panic attacks. I was very shy. I was very introverted. And here I am with a global superstar that is Kelly Rowland, who is so confident, owns herself, knows what she wants. And I'm obviously sat there going like, we are two different people. (laughs) 
And it was just really hard to get a connection because you can't expect two people this always to get along. You couldn't go out in the street and grab two strangers and go, here you go, get along. But we really tried our best. I did take on a lot of her advice. There was a few times we didn't see eye to eye, but we never fell out. I don't even have her number, to be honest. I used to. But like, I definitely think we'd get on now. Now that I've like come out of my shell, learned how to love myself and all that kind of stuff. There's always kind of a focus on reality TV shows, particularly the X Factor and talent shows of this relationship between mentor and contestant. And that the mentor is so invested in the contestant. Do you feel that during your experience that was true? Was that a reality? Do you feel like she had your back throughout the competition? No, I don't even really remember, to be honest. I think she tried, but like, I don't know. We never really seen each other till like a Friday. And that's when you're doing like your pre-show run for the next day. Like I did kind of get envious of a few other people though. Like Gary Barlow was our year instead of Simon. And he was an incredible mentor in the sense of actually coming into the house during the week. He'd even sit and chat to me in the kitchen and give me pointers and stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre. Um, yeah, he'd make me coffee and we'd chat. It was great. Uh, but as for like Kelly, like she was obviously just, she had her own career going on. Like not to say Gary didn't, he did, absolutely. But I don't think that she didn't not care, if that makes sense, you know? How did it feel like the moment where she couldn't like make a decision? Like when you're standing on that stage, you're in the bottom two and you're like, come on, come on, Kells. I know. I got where she was coming from, but also I was just like, it's chill, dude. It's so chill. I'd already said as well the week before that if I didn't get kicked out that week, I was going to leave. I, I was going to walk because I wanted to go home at that point because I got on the tour. I felt like I'd done everything I needed. At that point, I was seeing like the therapist. Woo. It, like I suppose on hindsight, like maybe someone should have given me more of a pep talk to try and like keep my spirits high. But I wanted to leave when I knew my heart wasn't in it anymore. And I got really tired of saying that it means everything to me. Because I'm like, well, that's not really true. I'm 16. I can go back to school tomorrow. You know? That's so true. It, it was really weird to try and pretend that that was the be all and end all of my life. Because I was like, here, mate, I'm just starting my life. Like, don't don't try and tell me that this is the biggest thing ever. Because, like, it's not. Like, nothing is that important. I'm not saving lives by being on this TV show. It's not that deep. <laughs> I think one of the realities behind the scenes of my experience in particular was you kind of knew when someone was going to go. Yeah. If someone had a bad song that week, or if someone started complaining about the experience, they'd be gone. Well, also, I found out that, like, if you if you said you were going to walk, you got kicked out the week after. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> guys... <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna walk. Guys, I'm walking. If I if I make it through next week, I'm walking. When I got eliminated, I was like, damn, it worked. We tested the system. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody else had done it. I won't say who it was. They got pulled into the office and stuff because they had been saying that they were gonna walk. Right. And I was like, huh. I remember that. Hmm. So what I noticed when people were gonna go was I actually decided to start counting the eyes to camera time, the up close shot. <laughs> No. Uh, so you find out that if you, you know, if you got less eyes to camera, you were gone. 
if you look at it from a psychological perspective, that eyes to camera shot is the shot where you connect directly with the people at home because they tell us that. They tell us that this shot's really important. Make sure you feel it. When that camera's up close, you feel it because that's your, you're connecting with the audience. So if somebody's not getting that eye to camera time, it's like, oh, every single time, every single time, the person who had the the last eyes to camera time went home. That is fascinating. If the ice to camera thing is real, people that don't feel as sad about you leaving because they're like, oh, I didn't connect with them that week. I'm going to watch back. I'm going to be like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I actually auditioned for the show the first time around when I was 16. And I was in a girl group. But we got to we got to the live show and Louis Walsh voted me out. Louis, boo. Oh, I remember at the time, though, laughing about it. So I wasn't upset when I did it the second time around. I remember looking back in hindsight and thinking, thank God, because I think it would have impacted me a lot. I definitely know when I watch kids go on TV, I'm like, stop. (laughs) Please, someone come get their child. Turn back. No, don't do it. What is it that makes you say that though? Because even though you went through it at a young age and you were experiencing a lot that we weren't aware of, you seem to have come out of it with a real positive outlook. Like you kind of, you, you've literally laughed through it, like when you're talking about it. So what is it that still makes you go, oh, when you see young people go through it? What is it that you're concerned about when you see that? I think I'm concerned about like, cause like I said, I was already messed up. Right. So what's a bit more trauma on your trauma? You know, because uh, essentially, unfortunately, but I signed up for it and I knew completely what I was signing up for. Like you give away your childhood, you lose out on your teenage years. Because when I when I left that show, I couldn't go outside. I couldn't go to bars. Going to the grocery store was dangerous. And then, you know, you're talking to your friends and they're having parties and they're just kissing boys. Part of me is sad that I lost those fun years where I can just let your hair down and get away with everything that you want. Like, I definitely feel like I've got, like, a good in-between now because, like, I'm not out here, like, in the public eye all the time. So I can kind of create my own normal now. But there was a time where I had no control over the fact that I couldn't go outside. And also, Mm. a lot of people have weird thoughts about therapy. And they're like, I'll never go to therapy. And I'm like, you shouldn't go on TV. Get yourself a therapist either before you go on or straight after. And if you don't, you will live to regret that. And every single time, they've all come back to me and been like, what's your therapist number? (laughs) That is the reality of a reality TV. Honestly, in my X Factor experience, we didn't have therapy. Um, No one really checked in with us. I think now, um, in recent years, they have. Did you ask? No, I think I was just kind of naive to the situation. You're just kind of like, ah, well, this is how it goes. Yeah. Because I had to ask and they were like, because I, I felt so ashamed. I was like, oh, oh my you God. Asked. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm so broken. I'm so broken. I'm so broken. And finally confessed to someone. I was like, here, I'm having like really unhealthy thoughts. And I think I need to see a therapist. I need to get some help. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Because like every, basically everybody else is in therapy. And I was like. <laughs> oh. And nobody was talking about them going to therapy. They were like, oh, I'm going to go to choreography now. 
Because what's funny as well, I went to therapy, got prescribed Prozac. And uh, if you're familiar with Prozac, for the first week you're on it, you're high as a kite. So I went from like being really shy in all of my VTs to then like having a few, that one week my VT being like me on my back, just like playing and having a laugh. Like I was full on wired. That's another thing that nobody's seen was like the switch of me hitting antidepressants. Whoa. See, this is it because there's so much more to what people are watching. Another reality that you shared with me was that people complain about people crying all the time on TV. But the thing is, they don't realise there is so much going on behind the scenes that you don't see. I think a lot of it, sheer exhaustion. And also, like, part of me, like, understands. Part of me is like, yeah, you got a TV show to make. And I get where the general public are coming from. Because it's like, why are you crying? This is your dream. And it's like, don't you think that that's the same stick I'm beating myself up with every day that I'm upset that I'm here and I'm beating myself up with the fact that I should be freaking grateful. But here I am, sad and anxious. Uh I never got angry, but like I know that, you know, some people are capable of feeling anger and they Uh did get angry or lash out or say something. And it's like tired, hungry, all of these things. And in such a, an intense environment yes things are gonna happen and then it's unfair to them because it's that one break in their character is something that's put into their narrative how would any human being feel if i filmed the person took all of the times they got angry in a week and just went here's what we're showing the general public today it's like oh but like i gave to charity i did this thing i was really nice i looked after this person it's like it just, it's again, kind of comes back to it's all in the edit. Did you ever like have a full on? There was a time that I just broke down completely because <laughs> it's funny, I, I, I've shared this experience before, but I remember sitting in an edit with a producer for over an hour because like you said, I wasn't saying this is everything and I wasn't crying. So I felt like I was letting the team down because I wasn't crying, but then I couldn't force myself to do that. On the flip side, it was so funny. It's like this running joke because this one producer tried so hard to break me and they and they couldn't succeed. And then the next day I spoke to another producer and all she said to me was, just imagine going back home and telling your sister that you got through, broke down. I was a mess. The minute she mentioned my sister, I don't know what that was. That, that something It triggered something in me, clearly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, it's just everything. It's just everything. Yeah. It's just like- it's just the thing it's so funny what makes us cry like I got unlucky in the sense of like my grandfather passed midweek I'd done my Monday morning BT as to what the narrative was for that week and then he passed on the Wednesday so I remember then turning up to the studio on the Friday for like the sound check and just magically they'd set up a little green screen room that I was to go into and like I'd already done my VT but here we are doing it again. And uh, it was like the same old thing of like, so, hey, how are you? And then it turned into the whole interview. She's like, so, Jana, how's your week been? I was like, oh, yeah, it's been a hard week, you know, but I'm pulling through it. And then she's like, so your grandfather. And then I was like, "Ah!" yeah, Yeah, there it is. There it is. In a lot of ways, that is the reality. It's like if if someone's going through something, if you know you're going to evoke you know a strong emotion you're gonna push for that as a producer yeah. 
Um, but also it makes sense because if I went on stage and just started bawling my eyes out and people were like, what's wrong with this girl? Is she okay? It's kind of what I've learned about vlogging. And it's the same kind of approach. So I understand what they mean. Like if I kind of have had a quiet week on social media and I'm not posting a lot or whatever, it's the ability to create your own edit and like be able to tell people what's going on so that they can be kept in the loop. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have the power back because I do all my own editing as well. So it's like, look at me. I can control the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a great perspective on it as well after being through reality tv and assessing the edit post experience so it's like yeah that's an amazing position to be in right let's focus on a real positive of your reality experience what would you say was the defining moment for you gosh I don't I don't know if there was ever a moment something that stands out to me is when I got kicked out they do the playback Mm. of your best bits and I just cried my eyes out because it was I was actually so grateful that they did that was a thing it had been such a long uphill struggle and I just remember obviously the the relief and I remember crying and obviously people before even the clip had been played I think I you could see that I was emotional but it was that emotion of like it's over. Wow, that relief. Yeah. And when I watched the clips back, it was so beautiful to be able to watch the good moments. It was just like a lovely way to leave, in my opinion, just getting to see all of it, getting to stand beside good old Dermot, who is amazing. A cherub. He's too pure for this earth. I stand there with him and just be like, oh, it's not been so bad, has it? <laughs> yeah. To remember that actually, yeah, there was a light at the end of this. in many ways I think after talking to you I think the defining moment is just how it developed you as a person although it was such a challenging time there's been so many positives out of your experience it helped you focus it helped you kind of define who you were you had to grow up pretty quickly you had to then control your narrative how do you think it prepared you for for real life being through that crazy intense (laughs) experience Nothing can ever be that hard ever again. I always get asked, like, obviously about X Factor, and especially if it's a red top interview and you, it's like, Mm -hmm. so tell us what's scathing about the X Factor. And I'm like, it actually was a really good experience for me. So I know that's really boring. So I won't see that mentioned in the interview at all. I learned, I'd say, how to stand up for myself more. What is a TV show to you is going to be representative to people for the rest of my life Hmm. I am just a person on your conveyor belt and I understand from your opinion why my opinion doesn't matter but I would like you to see why my opinion does matter because you don't have to carry these VTs around on your back for the rest of your life Hmm. wow that's so powerful (laughs) it's so true (laughs) so I think that's why I never feel bitter about doing x factor or anything like that like it's all fun to like reminisce of the weird stuff that went on but realistically I was proud of myself for trying my best to control my own narrative yeah and the whole the whole experience helps shape your reality now I've never been bitter about my experience either I just think well I'm so grateful for all the lessons I learned through it because I I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without all of that intense pressure and without all of those challenges and without people judging me and learning to grow thick skin and 
it just builds you as a person it builds your character absolutely I think you're just so inspirational like to speak to because (laughs) no because you're not afraid to share your experience you're not afraid to show how it's how it's helped you grow and you're in the era of of confessing everything like you've got your autobiography coming out my confessional it's like that just says it in itself it's almost like you come to a place where you're ready to just lay it out on the line you're ready to share you know you're you're ready to unpack those vts that you're you're carrying on your back like i think we said at the start let's burst some bubbles for me i just love being able to go here's the actual truth about me as a person it's basically what you're doing with your podcast and reality tv it's like showing the behind the curtain because i carried so much shame for so long about all of the things that i'd been through it's been beautiful to watch the world become more open and willing to listen to these conversations about mental health and it warms my heart so like because I started writing this book like three years ago and the climate was even different three years ago to how Mm -hmm. people wanted to talk about these things so I feel like I got lucky at the time that I'm releasing the book because I'm like I think people actually want to hear the truth now yeah it seems like your reality is just being yourself right now and just being able to expose everything that you maybe felt you had to hide before. Would you, would you say that that's what your reality is for you now? Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I've got people that look at my life on a daily basis because I put so much content out there that I just feel like that's it. I just want to be 100% authentically myself. But I want people to know that like, you can still follow your dreams and be what society may perceive as a broken person. (laughs) This is one of those things, like nobody knows you better than yourself. And if you're comfortable with talking about who you really are, then so be it. It's been phenomenal to see so many people like relating. Obviously it's sad when you see somebody relating to something you've gone through that's been really hard. But I didn't see that, especially when I was searching for, a role model in recovery from alcoholism. Like I didn't see, not that I want to be someone's role model. I just want a story out there to show younger girls that like, oh yeah, no, you can literally go to an AA meeting at 20 and it's fine. Yeah. I feel like, cause I'm in a good place now with myself and I've got to that point where I'm like, no, I'm me and I'm totally comfortable with that. I just want to show people that like, it's possible. It's like you've gone to the other side and you're like, guys, come join me, man. The water's fine over here. The water is fine. (laughs) You know what? I feel like I've just had literally just a tiny insight into your world and your experience. And I know this wasn't even the purpose of chatting to you today, but I'm 100% sold and I am getting that autobiography because I feel like I've just scratched the surface with you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and just thank you for sharing your your realities with me. It's just been, it's been such an eye opener. It's been amazing. I've had so much fun. It's been great. Like, thank you for giving me the option because like, yeah, a few years ago, there's like, no one would have cared. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to talk to you for a while. I'm so happy I got to do this. Wow, what a roller coaster of emotions that was. Jeez, now I sound like a narrator of a reality TV show. (laughs) But honestly, there were so many highs and lows in that conversation. But it just goes to show you that you can go through such a hard and tough time 
you can come out stronger than ever before. She was such an inspiration and it was a joy to talk to her. If you loved this episode as much as I did, then let the world know. Go on socials using the hashtag reality of reality TV and you can tag me at Fleur East. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit that rate button, give us a five-star review and let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Wherever you're listening, make sure that you subscribe so you'll get fresh episodes as soon as they're available. Join me again next week. I'm talking to Alison Hammond. All I kept thinking was like, oh my God, they're going to make me pay for this. I haven't even got any money. So I've come into this reality TV show and I'm going to be even more broke. I didn't like Big Brother. I thought it was like the headmaster. So when I went to the headmaster, I was like, I think I've broke the table. And he was like, you think? You don't want to miss it. See you then. 